who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested, and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android, or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Beyond, 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 beyond. Welcome everybody to Beyond number 489. I'm Max Scoville and I'm joined today by Brian Altano, Andrew Goldfarb. Hello. And Marty Sleva. Good day. We have a wonderful show lined up. I just got back from Star Wars Celebration, and boy, are my arms tired from lightsaber fighting, which I did a lot of at the Star Wars show. I anyway, do I don't right. do any of those things. <laughs> uh, but we do have Battlefront 2 details. I got to go to the whole press event thing for that. Uh, in other uh, Disney-related news, because they own the entirety of our childhoods, there's also the Disney Afternoon Collection, which wraps up a bunch of classic NES games. We're going to talk about that. Um Marty, you're going full gold far with Persona Five. Dude, it's huh? real bad. It's real bad. I'm very excited to talk about it. Okay. I think it's real good. And uh, we have a we have a new VR game to talk about, Star Blood Arena. What could that be? Well, you'll have to stick around to find out. Wow. Viewers, you're a tantalizing listeners. boy. Yeah, yeah. So hosting the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you're weird. I just yeah. want to talk about Star Wars Battlefront. Okay, we, we can do that. Um, Sick man. <laughs> yeah. So uh, basically, they had like a. Whole <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> You all right over there? You that sound like a, a cantina. I like that laugh. Boy. That was good. It right. was like a laugh in a bad, lo- like, localized video game. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to die. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, yeah, so Star Wars Battlefront 2, um, we got details on the campaign. Uh, there's a campaign. There's a campaign. First yeah. of all, there is a campaign. That's cool. Uh, you play as uh, a lady named... Uh, Iden Versio. Iden Versio. Uh, I don't know I why I wrote that very late in the document. <laughs> yeah. uh, who is sort of the leader of the inferno squadron and basically the game starts out apparently uh sort of battle of endor and it looks like mm-hmm. you're kind of you're part of this like sort of special ops team uh sort of all-purpose kind of like 
not just TIE fighter pilots, not just like stormtrooper, but kind of doing like you're like a, a just a badass. Yeah. So badass you play trip. an yeah. imperial who's right. a very proud imperial who yeah. comes from a lineage of we'll high-ranking we'll imperials. We'll get yeah, that to a second, cool. but basically, totally like specialized treatment, yeah. and you go down. It looks like you get sent down by the emperor to. Uh, to Endor to clean out those nasty rebels. And I mean, they're like up. the Navy SEALs, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And then you look up, and the Death Star gets blown up, and you're like, "Oh crap!" But yeah. the whole, yeah, but the whole angle is that this is trying to show the Empire from like from the Empire's perspective. Yeah. You know, yeah. they're not the bad guys. You're you grow up like you said on a, an Imperial world, uh, yeah. and it apparently you're like you know your your I think your father's a like a, a commander or a grand admiral or something, mm-hmm. and uh you know you kind of grow up being like this is awesome and these it sucks that these these awful like rebel terrorists are trying to like take this away from us so i mean showing the death star blowing up is sort of like a you know like a pearl harbor 9-11 moment from that that kind of perspective like oh god what did they do Mm -hmm. uh and then the game apparently spans like almost 30 years taking you up until like the formation of the new order yeah Yeah, it looks like it's just based on what they said in the release and looking at trailers it looks like it goes from basically yeah like that end of jedi up until like it showed star killer base so i would assume end of force awakens right but so, we don't like, know for sure if that's going to follow Aiden for all 30 of those years yeah, i yeah. would assume not because we know we know actually that it will jump around a little bit um they've said that you will be playing as heroes and villains like in the kind of the the more overpowered it said specifically um, luke and kylo yeah which is you'll be playing as in the single player mode which, which is gonna be interesting you're gonna yeah. kind of jump around in perspective um i'm curious how this is gonna like how this is gonna handle just because it's a massive, massive undertaking. Um, it's yeah. being written by uh, Walt Williams, who wrote Spec Ops The Line. So there's a pedigree there. An incredible game um, from a, the point of view of pretty much someone who's doing the worst things during war. Yeah. And, then yeah. an, and then an, an the equally side, respected writer. Uh, <laughs> formerly yeah. of IGN, uh, Mitch Dyer, who's been on this show. So, right, I mean, yeah. it's in... Most notably for... Uh, he, I've known him. I think he threw up McDonald's in my Japanese shower when <laughs> yeah, we were yeah, in Tokyo yeah. together. Yeah. Yeah. So this game's in great hands. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. saw him go to get a burrito and start trying to eat it on the way back when we were walking back to the office and then the entire bottom half of the burrito just <laughs> slipped out. So I so what, do you think, what do you think the Empire can learn from that? <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I guess, honestly, full disclosure, going forward, anytime we talk about Battlefront 2, that a friend of ours is yep. writing it. Um, yeah. That being said, like, I don't know, I feel like we're going to call it. I, I do feel like the destruction of the second Death Star was sort of like watching the bottom half of a burrito fall <laughs> Yeah. You realize um, he compared it to Pearl Harbor and 9/11. <laughs> okay, well do you understand that like there weren't teddy bears on in on 9/11? That's I mean, well th- I mean sure, like FAO they were, Schwartz they did sell was. like a you know those like oh, We really got to get we gotta get us out of here. Yeah, let's get out of here. Anyway, the point being this is like it's one of those big huge galvanizing like oh my god, we've got to get them get back at them for this. Like yeah, this yeah. is the kind of the attack that and we always see we always see like you know that the empire is the bad guys. Mm-hmm. They've got the scary music and they're and they're but we're kind of seeing the flip side of that because in, in Rogue One, there's those scenes where like uh, Cassian has to like kill somebody and you're like, oh, the rebellion's kind of ruthless. And you've got yeah. Saw Gerrera being this like insane extremist. Okay. And then, uh, later this year, there's uh, a book coming out called A Certain Point of View, which is an anthology of uh, kind of famous Star Wars scenes retold from a different perspective and right. being like, oh, there's different oh, sides. To that's kind of really everything. cool. I didn't know that was yeah, a thing. Gary Wood has got an entry in a whole bunch yeah. of other, other writers, too. Yeah. And we've also seen uh, Finn, obviously, sure. in, yeah. in Force Awakens, who went from being a stormtrooper. to So we're seeing a lot of that different perspective. But I think this specifically in like kind of humanizing the way the Empire would look at a situation like this, because, I mean, like there's that whole Kevin Smith bit, right, Oof. about the yep. contractors working yep. on the Death yeah. Star, which I love. Um, I think that I kind of hope that they stick to just being like, by the end of the story, you're still like, the Empire thinks they are in the right on this. They don't necessarily have a change of heart. I don't know how it's going to go. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I I think 
by bridging it into kind of unknown territory, like by starting in a in a well-defined space and by ending in a well-defined space, but having everything in between be sort of this like gray area, I feel like it'll work out okay. Yeah. Like I feel like it would be a lot harder if this were taking place between a new hope and Jedi, you know, and something where like we feel like we we have such a good grasp of everything that happens. I feel like by by keeping that gray area gray, that they can kind of establish like what it is, and like yeah. it, it's interesting because like I'm assuming there will be events in this game we've never seen before, which means again, unlike stuff from the original trilogy or from Force Awakens, like the first time we're seeing these moments will be from the Imperial perspective. Yeah, I think specifically covering the ground between Jedi and Force Awakens, um, that 30 years is really only touched on in like aftermath and a couple yeah. of other uh, shattered empires yeah. aftermath yeah. Not, a, not a whole lot of and stuff again like sort of everything else star wars that's coming out in the last couple of years this is canon yeah, yeah. so yeah. these are yeah. canonical characters the thing that happens yeah. and this is canon. what i really like is that inferno squadron has a lot of kind of red like red elements they got like red stripes on their on their uniform and stuff which is kind of like what that carries over to the uh, the first order they have like yeah. elite, elite tie mm-hmm. fighters that have like red stripes on yeah. them you almost think like is this the birth of that like is this yeah. the embryo of that idea? yeah and it's also cool because we're seeing uh ostensibly tie fighter power with boots on the ground for the first time, right. guns in hand, instead of like out there flying around. Yeah, exactly. Like like infantry. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah really I mean, cool. I think it's awesome because uh, you mentioned Inferno Squad is like the name of their elite team, but also there's a novel coming out called Inferno Squad that'll kind of they're calling it a Rogue One sequel was the way they announced it, which is a really interesting way to phrase it to me because it's really a hybrid Rogue One sequel, uh, but it's also not called Star Wars Battlefront Inferno Squad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I think there it'll are four movies that are technically Rogue One sequels. Yeah, exactly. Well, and that's why it's cool to just like you know. They wiped the extended universe or the expanded universe when they announced the new trilogy. And so I'm glad we're getting that filled in in a canon way now. Right. Rather than like all the weird stuff we read as kids that's totally out the window now. Yeah. So I actually, I actually asked in the, uh, we did like an interview afterwards and I was like, I talking to one of the story group guys, I was like, so is this going to dip into stuff that's expanded universe? And he was like, do you mean like the, the new stuff that's comics and books and all that? Or do you mean like the old stuff that isn't canonical? And I was like, Oh, that's you don't even think of this as expanded universe. This is just Star Wars. This is yes, the universe. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah. On that front, uh, we got to see sort of a behind the scenes video that was really interesting because it had some of those sort of it was sort of like a developer diary type thing that you know EA always does when they're like, ah, oh, we haven't finished the trailer. You know, <laughs> um, but there were a few little little like tidbits that kind of gave some insight to what the gameplay is actually going to be like, and it seems like. First of all, I think there were some shots in third person, so I think you're going to be able to kind of jump between first and third, as you might in you know, expect. Yeah. Uh, no, but it, but it looked like single in player. single player. Oh, that's cool. Um, wow. And there were shots of uh, there's that little robot, little kind of probe droid looking thing that uh, Iden has with her at all times. The uh, ID nine seeker droid. Yeah, it's called. It's from Rebels. We were looking okay. it up yesterday. Okay, cool. Well, good. Yeah, they also have the uh, what is it? The Imperial Raider assault ship, which yep. is like that mm-hmm. kind of mini. Also, mini we're Star putting Star up um, sort of like a I, I, I wrote a, like a, a rewind theater type of thing for for the the major trailer on this that we're putting on IGN soon. It just peeled it apart and looked at gonna, every single I'm going to bet money not detail. absolutely not knowing this that droid your little shoulders droid is going to be able to scan things because literally every game I play this year you're able to scan things yep, yep. Yeah. that's uh, true they actually demonstrated that it uh, I think they showed you can some, email it to yourself kind of early kind of gray box uh, gameplay but it, it uh, you can like sort of mount it on a wall I think you can basically turn it into a turret uh, and they showed some of like one, one of her one of Aiden's abilities is like using basically like this square kind of force shield which looked very much like that that shield out of um uh was it fuse the like that oh yeah the yeah game uh, well that was an yeah yeah so like i mean i mean they've used it in other games that just came to mind but uh they've used it in other games they also had a uh they had a shot of her doing like a takedown with like a kind of a a baton Mm -hmm. um so i think there's going to be stealth elements in there uh and i mean some of these might carry over into uh 
you know, into the multiplayer component, but like, yeah, because there was really no stealth stuff in multiplayer. Um, and there was melee options for certain characters, certain heroes and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And then you always had that sort of like last resort bash on the stick to kill right. somebody. Um, they added a bunch later on in the yeah. DLC. Like one of them, it became like a star card to do like a somersault, which yep. is kind of like, and like rolls like, and stuff yeah, like that. It's like one of their moves you got. You're like you do like a little roll. And, <laughs> yeah. All right. That's not. That's like I used to use that for thermal detonators and jetpacks. But yeah. Sure. Why not? Um, meanwhile, they talked a little bit about multiplayer, and one thing they kind of kept touching on was that there are now progression systems for basically everything. Uh, it's class based for starters, which is interesting because before it was like kind of you pick your pick your loadout. It was very sort of like very stripped down. You pick two star cards and a weapon, pretty much. Um, don't know if it's going to be like. You know, if you carry multiple blasters now or what the deal is or if you still have uh, star cards. But, uh, yeah, they said that basically you're able to upgrade heroes. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's like in the sort of uh, like kind of MOBA sense where you're able to upgrade them within a round or if it carries over between, sure. uh, between of, matches. I really like the idea that like the Luke at the beginning, your hero Luke is New Hope Luke. And that through the course of like progression that you're able to get a, you know, end of Jedi Luke. Right. Like, which I I think that'd be really cool. I think they could honestly just go just get a lot done just with skins and stuff. Just kind of mixing it up visually. I Um, I really hope it retains like we we mentioned before, like, you know, in the interest of honesty, like a friend of ours who threw had a burrito break in his hand (laughs) is writing this game. But uh, Max and I gushed about the first Battlefront game for like. 200 hours on camera <laughs> that was we while have, Mitch like, still last... worked here yeah, yeah. Cool. I mean from when everyone else had moved on we were still sort of like geeking out it's about little annoying. things yeah. it was yeah. definitely annoying yeah. so yeah. we're huge fans of the game either way um, regardless of who's working on it but um, one of the things I really hope it does retain is the sort of quick and fun kind of arcadey feel of it like sure. I don't want this game to get too lost in the sort of competitive MOBA sense um, I do want it to be kind of casual and i know you're watching this probably being like no and i'm like well it's star wars like i think it should be accessible like there's plenty of a a weird obtuse star wars games out there they get a little too deep and i think battlefront being quick pick up and play and accessible and arcadey is something i really look for so i hope they can maintain that again while still giving us a lot more options than the last game had yeah well and they also they touched on some things uh briefly that fans wanted in the first game which are criterions working on like full-fledged space battles Uh, we don't know again if it's going to be all right go into the space battle mode or if it's going to be something to the scale of a no man's sky get in a plane go into orbit and then all of a sudden you're out of orbit get the sense that it's going to be sort of a separate Separate. yeah um i asked a little bit about just what they're doing uh they've got vehicles obviously they've got i mean they showed tauntauns in the in the teaser and everything and um there's going to be i think land speeders and there's rontos and things like that and i asked like do you see like the do you see animals as being are they heroes or are they vehicles you know Mm -hmm. because like if you can i don't know if if they'd be awesome if there's a rancor but would they see that as a mount or is it something you play as Uh, right uh, i mean that's obviously getting getting ahead of myself there's no they haven't shown any rancors or anything um i hope there's a rancor (laughs) one thing they talked about was having a resource system for like upgrading stuff and they they sounded like they'd basically retooled the idea of having pickups because in the the first game obviously there'd just be like sort of a a medallion floating on the disc yeah everyone would be racing towards it and you'd be like well i didn't get a tie fighter or a rocket launcher whatever the hell it was yep um so i think they're trying to move away from that whole thing where it's if you pick up this thing and you get to be like luke skywalker for 30 seconds you know it's it sucks like i've played that game for i don't even know how many hours and i feel like i've been able to fly slave one 
maybe five times. Yeah, that's kind of ridiculous, right? Yeah. Like it's always a race at the beginning of those matches to get it. And even like having um, multiplayer modes where you're on foot most of the time, but the item pickups are ships, you would get into one and like get shot down immediately or um, crash into something. And it was not very forgiving. And I know a lot of that's like, oh, get good. But still, yeah. like... It should it should yeah. it shouldn't feel like there's that chance of instantly getting punished yeah. for something yeah. like that. I mean, or at least if there is, make it a little easier to, to get into those. Sure. I'm hoping gameplay is balanced in general by them spreading it out among studios. Like, I mean, it is very exciting to be hearing like Criterion's handling handling vehicles. Dice is still doing like the core multiplayer component, and now Motive is doing campaign. Like, yeah. hearing that collaborative effort across EA Studios is really smart, and that makes me excited for what they're going to do with all the Star Wars games because mm-hmm. we know Respawn's lead on one, but I'd be very surprised if they're not sharing in some capacity with other studios. So, yeah. I think it's going to be cool watching kind of this like. I, I, theoretically we're getting an ea star wars game every year now and like who knows when battlefront 3 fits into that but like we know amy hennig's game and we know visceral's game and we know a response game are somewhere right so it's exciting it's sort of as how ubisoft how ubisoft games there's a lead right. studio but then there's auxiliary studios yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah or call of duty yeah totally. uh now one thing I'm, I'm concerned about is that that they're going to lean too hard to this being a hero shooter and there's obviously there's going to be heroes and villains mode which was in the first one yep. uh the heroes and villains in the first one were like the balance was weird. Yeah, no, it was janky. They like, it never felt yeah. totally polished like the yeah. rest of the game did. And they didn't have enough of them. Like, yeah. when when that game launched, I think it was, what, it was three heroes and three villains? Yeah. Well, and some were so, like, yeah. Boba Fett was so much stronger than, like, Leia. Yeah. Well, it's, it's weird, because I feel like the older I get, the more Star Wars means to me sort of the universe and the atmosphere and the planets mm-hmm. and the music and the art direction and the props and the weapons and the animals. Mm-hmm. Um, and then less about, like, I want to be Luke Skywalker and I want to be Leia. Right. Like, playing as those characters in Battlefront was cool. There was a good novelty to it. And I remember getting really excited when we found out about Chewbacca and Greedo and Bob. and seeing their weapons and stuff be included in the game but the actual like sort of boots on the ground of playing as those characters was never really that fun and the hero modes specifically in that game Mm -hmm. were some of the weakest to me personally I understand why other people like like I have friends who are casual Star Wars fans who like went crazy for those modes those are their favorite parts but I'm like I'll totally play as a stormtrooper or a snowtrooper for 10 hours yeah those modes were also really cool because they let you get a chance to actually play as a hero or villain when you couldn't in the main game because somebody would always like book it over to they knew where the coins were and you go they go pick them up first and they'd get to you, the second you got to be lando you're like oh how does this work and then you get shot and you're like well never mind i don't know how to play as lando but i hope they really 10 hours to find him yeah i hope they really clean up the um like the way those characters are animated and the way they're they control yeah. and stuff like that especially if they're specifically weaving them into the single player yeah. stuff because i think it's going to be kind of jarring to go from playing like Aiden's story where you're like i'm really invested in this to suddenly being like i'm luke skywalker and i have to fight the bad guys right like it feels a little goofus and gallant. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, it's not necessarily something I'm looking well, for. The big thing that's happened between Battle, Battlefront 1 and 2 is Overwatch. And I yeah. think that EA does not have a hero shooter right now. And I think this is their chance to be like, part of this is hero is hero shooter type stuff. And I think they're yeah. going to, you know, they kind of were toying with it in the last one. And I hope it's not like a full-blown, like, sort of a, you know, sort of MOBA-esque. But, uh, I mean, if they have a mode that just puts an emphasis on, like, pick a unique character, everybody gets one character you know and then you're out there and assuming they have enough of them uh the cool thing is this time around um you know there are prequel characters in there too so if you manage to have this like crazy mode where it's just a bunch of like a bunch of star wars characters in different eras running around it could be really cool yeah Yeah. um i think they've said that they want to make it i i might have heard this wrong that they want to make the hero characters feel more like 
more grounded, you know, and they were really overpowered in the in the first yeah. game. Um, and obviously, if there's a resource system and upgrades and stuff, it's going to be kind of like, oh, work your way up there and, and figure it out. Especially in campaign. Like, in multiplayer, yeah. it's one thing when you have them for a limited time. But, like, yeah. in a campaign level, they can't be ten times more powerful because you would just mow or through Or faster, everything. too. Yeah. Like, yeah. it just felt like they were from a different game. Like, Luke Skywalker would show up and he would just zip across the screen, yeah. do flips, and, and kill Vader. six people. And Vader yeah. was like, yeah. Vader, I mean, Vader should always be menacing and terrifying. Yeah. But it got to the point where it was just like, all right, yeah. Yeah. we got it. Uh, now, one thing they talked about is that there there's a class system now. Um, and basically, I, I don't know if they didn't say any of the classes, but they showed this image that had, uh, let's see, it had like a rebel, like a rebel Endor trooper. And then it had a first order stormtrooper, And then it had a uh, Imperial officer. And then it was a battle droid. And I think the suggestion was, I think the implication there was, this is the same class. The same class. So same if you loadout. if you upgrade that battle droid, right. those upgrades go to that first order troop. Right. Oh, yeah, that's oh, right. Yeah. That would My be cool. concern with that is that how do you make a game where one of those chubby little doughboy first order stormtroopers controls like a battle droid, which is built like a weird like skeleton man? Right. What do you want the uh, battle droid is? Like control like Quop or Octomate, Octodad? No, I want the battle droid to be like a weird little like, terrifying like fast skeleton, you know? Ooh, I don't like that. I don't know. I, I mean, uh, I'm curious to see what they do with it. Like, seriously, I'm glad that they're kind of keeping it like, okay, so there's – there's, it's totally not going to be canon regardless. It's going to be like a nonsense game where, you know, like Boba Fett like comes out and kills Lando and then like a bunch of people like come over and like teabag him or whatever. Yep. Uh, I love that part of the movie. But I like that they're going to have it on like, oh, this is the class. A little higher. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to have like battle droids running around Cloud City unless yeah. they do some kind of weird prequel or Cloud City version. Right, where right, like, right. You know, mining for different types was, of gas. That was back when it was Cloud Town. Yeah, Cloud Town. Yeah. I think that's the thing too is like how many maps are going to carry over from the first one. Like what I learned last time around was that in many ways there's kind of no satisfying everybody. Like they made they made Tatooine and they made a bunch of maps on Tatooine and people were like, all right, well, what about Jakku? And they made Jakku and they were like, too many sand plants. Yeah. And like, all right, well, here's Hoth. Okay, cool. Why didn't you do this part of Hoth? So now if they carry over all that stuff, because none of it is ever going to be as much content as the people sort of imagine they remember from the Battlefront games that they played growing up. Um, even though I think that like in terms of like art direction and sound yeah. and texture work and the Star Wars feel that you got playing Battlefront, like it was night and day uh, playing. There the were more. Versions. There were more maps in, in GoldenEye. Yeah, but the maps weren't yeah. by and large weren't good in GoldenEye. Yeah, so exactly. Like, yeah. There were also three based on that one part in the library scene. Oh, the, the archives, the, the library, yeah. and the basement. Yeah, like Xenia reads a book in the library. Like, here's four <laughs> levels based on that. Um, so I, I, we'll see how much of that stuff they carry over. Um, I think they have to do all of it, but I don't know how many legacy maps they need to do. I think like specifically they said they're they're doing Mos Eisley now, which they did like Tatooine levels, and they did the the sort of area where you see the. Um, Millennium Falcon the sort hanger of the hangar. Yeah. yeah, that was like a weird sort of remix approach. It yeah, because like, Luke's half, house was in the background. It was like, but half, like half a rebel base kind yeah. of thing. It yeah. didn't really quite make sense. It wasn't quite Moss Eisley. Yeah. Well, that's why I like them talking about canon locations in the campaign because generally that'll carry over to multiplayer maps and like yeah. I don't know like that feeling of authenticity in Battlefront is just like no other Star Wars game like yeah, it's totally. just we also saw a bunch of planets we've never seen before there yep. was that one that's very it's like half um, sort of empire architecture and half like red bonsai Which, trees that's Jin's home yeah. or not Jin uh, sorry Aiden's, Aiden's home planet and that's the one like that planet willingly was like yeah we'll go under uh, imperial occupation and they were like hey being under the empire has been fine like they've been great to us. So, so anyone on that planet was like, no, this is great. Why would yeah. the rebels ever want to take yeah. them down? No, it's like, yeah, it's it's first world stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, so actually, uh, one thing they're doing that's 
awesome. They showed us a bunch of like bits and pieces of this like behind the scenes stuff. Um, they're doing uh, photogrammetry again, which is obviously in the first time around they were like, we went to ILM and took a bunch of pictures of the original ADAPT models and now we put them in the game and they're accurate. Um, in this case, they're also going to physical locations and photographing them, but this time they're kind of going off the beaten path. They're not just going to Star Wars locations and photographing them. They went to, I think it was, I think they said Osaka and there's this there's this place there where there's a bunch of extremely brutalist architecture and then cherry blossom trees and that's kind of what they took for this um, that's really cool the new, yeah. uh, new oh that's city. awesome uh, they showed us some stuff that was like and I think this was this wasn't for like multiplayer or anything but it'll probably you know show up in there too uh, it was like this kind of weird heavily craggy very Mediterranean looking kind of volcanic ocean area and I don't know what I don't know what area it is that what planet that is but like the thing I'm incredibly excited about here is what's the prequel stuff going to look like mm-hmm. because there is almost no chance that it doesn't look considerably better than the actual movies. Yeah, I mean yeah, they can make yeah, a yeah. they can make a Camino in 2017 that looks better than the Camino that correct what, 2003 absolutely or whatever they, um, 2002. They showed concept art of a Camino like level. Oh, yeah, so it was all like just very sketchy, but it had like it had a Republic or a Jedi starfighter chasing uh, Slave, Slave One, One, and there were like there were Republic gunships in the background. I'm like, uh, that looks. Sick, yeah, and uh, it was just like pouring, and yeah. it looks different than anything in Battlefront I mean, like, One. You watch, you watch, G, like you know, Episode Two, and the, the Clone Wars starts, and you know, Geonosis is there, and it all has that kind of weird, like PS3 cutscene haze over it because yeah. that was the first movie ever shot on digital. That was yeah. a groundbreaking thing that was still sort of figuring out how to do what it was doing. Or look at the like the Gungan battle scene with those bouncy balls on that Windows ninety five yeah. wallpaper. <laughs> now the menace. Like. Rolling fields. Here's what I really want to know about. They said prequel era stuff, and everyone always goes. Some people go, ugh, prequel stuff, and some people go, that means Clone Wars, and then they go, Clone Wars, yes, and that's Revenge of the Sith and all that. I want to see the battle in Naboo. Yeah, I want yeah, Naboo starfighters. Totally. I want Gungans running around. I want to see what a Gungan looks like in Frostbite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I want those big, gross bunny ears flopping around, oh, just those, those, yeah. sixty frames I, a second. I can't imagine Bobby folds. I want to see yeah. Captain Tarples in four K. <laughs> no one yeah. wants to see Captain Tarples in four K. I can't imagine you don't get that. I want to like, see spit flying yeah. around. I think way. any big set piece from those movies will at least be glossed over. Like because look at what they did with DLC for Battlefront One, and like they've said there won't be uh, like a season pass for this or anything. But like I have to imagine they'll fill in. You know, even if like first round we're not getting every single thing like eventually they're gonna fill in gungans they know people love to hate yeah, having like there's also jar jar will be a hero eventually there's also plenty of room to hide that kind of stuff in the margins too yeah. like the last game had a, like a tauntaun frozen in ice it had uh ewoks running around the ewok village like if you yeah. got to the right area yeah. at the right time right. they would run into these little doors and hide you could find captain panaka's skeleton yeah yeah <laughs> with that weird red hat yeah <laughs> there's a there's a scene where uh where uh java the hut's making out with a minoc just <laughs> Oh, God. How would that work? I don't know. <laughs> with tongues. It'd be like you make it out with a hummingbird. Yeah, or a Minoc. <laughs> really weird. Really weird. Uh, also, the game's coming out November 17th. Yeah. yeah. Yep. That's awesome. Uh, but yeah. how much will it cost? $60. Yeah, but what about the season pass? I don't know. I don't know. They Somebody's <laughs> like, there's no season pass. Somebody else is like, there's, uh, that's not true. What and if it's like, not a so seasonal pass? Like uh, <laughs> I don't know. Are we going to see like... Battle packs, loot, loot boxes. So this is my this is my concern, right? Like every, there was so much backlash against the pricing model of the last one because it's like, oh, it's fifty dollars. That's a lot of money. Yeah, I know. The video games are expensive hobby. It sucks. Like make paper airplanes. They're free. Read. Go to the library. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Video games. They're expensive. It sucks. Like or you know what else is expensive is going to do literally anything. But what I don't want to do is I don't want to spend like two hundred dollars on like 
random loot boxes to be like, oh, I, I did these scratch offs to get Bosk's gun. Like, I yeah. I would rather just if there's an option to give somebody fifty dollars to just be like future proofed with this mm-hmm. thing and just have every Star Wars thing ever. Like, if in a year and a half they're like, we made those Gungan balls. I'm like, cool. Do I have it already? No, you gotta win the lottery for it. Like, I don't want to do all that. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I like the games are moving away from segmenting their audience by being like maps are only for season pass holders or i mean like i like the idea of doing what some games have done where maps just come to everybody but you're buying cosmetic things but like i mean you know i get it i I think looking at how crazy it is right now and how hard it is to be like i'm gonna play persona and horizon and zelda and near and all these other games coming like 50 bucks is a whole other game basically it is but what i did like about it was that it was sort of like future proofed my ability to keep checking in on that game was that i paid for something sure. once and then every quarter or every few months um going from jakku to scarif they were like here's new stuff and between all that i got like bespin i got jabba's palace i got I got like the Death Star and Chewbacca. Yeah, yeah. Also, you're you're paying as an early adopter. Yeah, like that's that's a reality. If you waited a year, you could pick up uh, the baseline uh, Star Wars Battlefront for forty bucks. Yeah, or the deluxe edition was uh, up for like seven seventeen ninety nine at one point. Like, yeah, so I mean, just, everything is cheaper if you wait. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. If you don't buy a console at launch, eventually you can get it for two hundred bucks. Like, yeah, that's a reality. But do you want to play it? brand new or what so you know? all i'm saying is like i don't really care what they do but i do hope they give me like the option to just pay once and get everything mm-hmm. forever yeah um but yeah i'm really excited about this yeah i think that uh i hope that i hope that there's some just i hope that there's some fun nonsense in there i hope that yeah. they got enough kind of confidence for the first one i think also the first one i don't want to say rushed but i think they were trying to hit that force awakens window yeah and they did, you know. And they it was got, definitely yeah. light on modes at launch. Yeah. For but sure. they've uh, they've been working on this one, I think, since then. So yeah, yeah. it seems pretty robust, and that's exciting. Yeah, and the people not interested in Star Wars will stop talking about it for probably a, a month until E3, and then we're gonna start talking about it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. less than that. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> have you met Max and Brian? <laughs> How could you uh, not be interested in Star Wars? What's wrong with Star you? Wars. Watch The Hobbit. I don't like The Hobbit. Why, why? I like The Hobbit about? and Star Wars. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to people that don't like Star Wars. All right. So anyway. <laughs> they do like The Hobbit. <laughs> they're both. Anyway. Uh, the Disney Afternoon Collection is out. Is it? Did yeah. it come out? It's out, it's out, it's out today. Okay. It's 20 bucks. It's six games. It's DuckTales, DuckTales 2, Chippendale, Chippendale 2, Tailspin, and Darkwing Duck. And it is pretty much the Mega Man. What is it? The Mega Man Legacy Collection? Yeah. Yes. yes. But it's, for uh, it's, it's Capcom yeah. games, yeah. It's uh, Capcom worked with Frank Cifaldi and a bunch of other really talented people over there to sort of make this definitive archive of a collection of classic NES games uh, together for the first time. I think with Mega Man, we've seen um, like there was the Mega Man collection on GameCube and PS2 and a bunch of other. I thought you said Cuban PS2. (laughs) (laughs) It's only available on Cuban PS2s. Um, But this is the first time we're seeing all six of these games together in one place, which is really cool because I uh, like I grew up with these games. These are Mm -hmm. some of my favorite games to play. as a kid on my NES, yeah. when I wasn't watching the Disney Afternoon after school, yeah. uh, which was like this weird thing you would get home from school, just open up a box of like string things and then just sit there and just like <laughs> get sugared up and watch a bunch of like string animals solve things? crimes. What are string, string things? They're like these uh, gummy ropes. What's wrong with you guys? You don't know about string things? You didn't no. have string things? Was that? They were like, they were like by the, the foot? They were like if the Nazca lines were made of corn syrup, there's just a bunch of weird Aztec drawings <laughs> where you peel them off and eat them like spaghetti. I feel like yeah, from you didn't str- have string thing. 
They were like Slim Jim's brain damaged cousin that just came, I feel like, like smattered all over a piece of wax paper. From, from <laughs> I like the word smattered in that context. Yeah, from sorry, string things to kombucha should be your autobiography. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, string things. Uh, those Only available on Cuban PS2. <laughs> uh, but one of the cool things about this collection is uh, like Rare Replay, uh, you, there's a bunch of like sort of museum features and rewind features in every game yeah, yeah. to where you can automatically rewind because these games are hard as balls. Like yeah. these games are hard and they're unforgiving and that's what the 8-bit era was like. And the fact that you can get through these games without bashing your head against the wall by doing that is really cool. Totally. And I think what's really interesting about a bunch of these games, um, DuckTales specifically is sort of not linear mm-hmm. um and so is chippendale rescue rangers like after you beat the first or second level the map opens up and you have different things different areas to go to and you can skip entire levels if you don't want to chippendale is one of the first like uh co-op games i ever played on the nas where like two players can play at the same time and you can throw each other and beat each other up and stuff yeah. like that so it's really cool uh but the cool thing about this game is sort of the packaging around it is incredibly 90s yeah. like it's got that saved by the bell theme song look where yep. there's just like triangles and squiggly lines flying everywhere and you get into the options menu and there's um tons of galleries concept art there's like they flat pack high res scanned all the boxes yeah. of packaging and manuals um there's drawings from kj and afune who did like all the old Mega Man stuff mm-hmm. um and i saw frank savaldi tweeting about this but you can tell the way he draws eyes yeah mr inafune that like yeah. he he drew the ducktales characters yeah. and they all just have this like weird menacing look to them <laughs> yeah. which is great they look like Mega Man bosses so, so cool. all that stuff's in there all the concept art there's an entire music selection thing mm-hmm. you can listen to all the sound uh once you get into the actual game itself like we said there's the rewind feature but there's also um different uh graphic settings you can uh sw- switch over to widescreen you can add borders you can add old crt filters mm-hmm. which like get added to a lot of these games but i think like look legitimately good this time around yeah, um, this is, and it's 20 bucks for six games and like it's a totally cool deal like yeah. mm-hmm. also like you were saying that uh they went through when they rebuilt the, like a whole emulator like yeah. this is this is they're not going to have any like like latency or yeah no it's, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's, it's yeah. as good as these games can look yeah, yeah totally yeah, like they awesome. did a re- it's this is not they didn't just like port you know d- yeah. some emulator nesticle whatever yeah. sounds or something like that it's also got a director's commentary by ross perot and michael dukakis yeah, yeah that's right yeah luminaries of the era wow yeah. yep <laughs> uh, i hope we get more of this i hope we get a second one Holy of these crap, that has, yes like, uh, it's also it's fascinating that it was like capcom disney nintendo and sony were able to like Right. Somehow somebody was able to navigate that rat's nest of, you know, legality and rights and stuff. Well, that was like Super Star Wars coming to PS4 last year. Like, there's yeah, so many cool yeah. little. I, I love seeing stuff like that happen. Or, like, it's, the fact that these old LucasArts games, like, yeah, like Full Throttle. Well, full yeah. Throttle's totally. coming to PS4. And I'm like, man, how did they work that out? Yeah, yeah. Full Throttle's got that great option to just, like, click over to the old yeah. graphics yeah. and stuff. I like yeah, Wonder Boy has that too. Yeah, right? and I think yeah. that's really cool. Like, in lieu of seeing like definitive remakes of these games or anything like that, which I'm not really sure I want because we got a remake of DuckTales and it didn't really pan out. Yeah. Yeah. The original version of that game is still pretty much flawless yeah. to me. Perfect um, music. Some of the best music Oh, in the yeah, universe. totally. Yeah. So, yeah. this is really cool. Like, I, I'm very glad this is happening. I understand the hurdles it takes to get Disney and what are you doing? Moving my stuff around? <laughs> I'm not doing anything. I'll hit you. We're getting emails about you hitting him. It's not true. Every, I always no, said this. People are like, gotta, they gotta, hate each other. No, we got we a message help right me. now. It's Brandon Hoffer says, please don't hit Goldfarb. No, not really. He asks, How, have any of you played the Disney Afternoon Collection yet? And if so, which title is hitting you hardest in terms of nostalgia? I used to play Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers a lot on the NES, and it's fantastic now that I can play it on today's consoles. Yeah. 
Did you guys, Marty and Goldfarb, did you guys play these games? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I didn't play all of them. I didn't play, like, I never played Tailspin. So that's yeah. that's far and away the worst game in this collection. Oh, really? It was the worst game back then, and it holds up the worst. I feel like I, it's oh, a shmup, right? Uh, yeah. Kind of? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like I only played DuckTales, Chippendale, and Darkwing Duck. So yeah. my thing is, I go back and play DuckTales relatively often, and so I'm less nostalgic about that. Going back in this collection and playing Chippendales, I thought was really cool, because that was a game I played so much as a kid, but I haven't touched probably since I first downloaded Nesticle, like 15, this- 20 years ago. I did yeah. the same thing today. Now you have to keep in mind, like these weren't ported to virtual console. They haven't mm-hmm. been on other platforms. No remaster, like there was. And no I, I sat down today and started playing it and cl- went through the first three, four levels without dying, yeah. and then just like wrecked bosses without getting hit. And I was like, that's terrifying that I just have that there. Mm-hmm. So I think if you played these games growing up, like you might be kind of amazed at yourself at how quickly you just lock in on them again yeah. like it's it's pretty fascinating it's been awesome just walking around hearing the music and yeah. just seeing people like because we only have a couple of people in the office playing but like man it, it really does like i don't know if it's one specific game that hits me that hard but just like watching people like hit that era i don't know it's yeah. like there's something very special about watching anyone play any nes game where it just like immediately brings me back to like my dentist had an nes and yeah. like my yeah. like like i i never owned an nes but like my friends had them so it was like more of like the borrowing or renting well, thing and it's also cool to see like sam and damon playing them in the corner yeah. who obviously yeah. grew up with them and then someone exactly. like jonathan walks by and wasn't born when some of these came out yeah. Yeah. and he's like what is this and yeah. you're looking at it for the first time it's also yeah. it's important to note that um licensed games have and always kind of will be uh, few and far between in terms of them being great in quality. Yeah, DuckTales is such an exception, though. It, totally. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very odd to see something like that, that, that Capcom was sort of working with Disney at the time to make really cool, really polished, just awesome AAA licensed video games. And yep. that kind of went away. So, yeah, it's cool to see this back. Like we said, 20 bucks out now. Um, if you're feeling it, like, go for it. I hope this sells well. And that, like you said, we get a sequel with 16-bit games like yeah. Aladdin, Troop, awesome. Troop, yeah. Lion King, and Mickey Mania. Oh, yeah. I want Mickey Mania so yep. bad. Yep. I don't think you want to play Lion King again. People don't remember no, Lion King actually no. sucks. Like, no, the Lion second King's level of that game is very bad. Uh, I Can't Wait to Be King where you yeah, jump yeah, on yeah. those animals' yeah. heads. Yeah. And then, yeah. I hate that level. Yeah. Doesn't make any sense. That would never happen. Yeah, you can't wait to be king because you're going to die in that river. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, other pixelated game coming out this week. Flinthook. Brian, you downloaded this like right before we started the show. Uh, yeah, that's right. We were playing for a little bit at my desk before. I'm just a little bit into it. Um, it's really, really cool. It's out now. It's sort of an um, action platforming game. Got like roguelike elements. Uh, the art direction is just completely off the chain for something that's pixelated um we see that sort of like retro pixelated look a lot and it's not really like sometimes people do it incredibly wrong like the pixels are just the wrong sizes they're all over the place they're just like it's a retro game and you're like you don't you didn't play those games did you these guys totally got it right uh the soundtrack is phenomenal from what i've heard so far um and the hook is that you have a hook and it's got this kind of bionic commando element to it but with a, a lot more movement to it yeah it's interesting because I was, I was watching you play this and, f- and it, first thing you did is you're like that's kind of weird you can't use the d-pad and then you get the hook and it's like oh that's why because you yeah. have full 360 degree yep. of movement and yep. you can like you know swing on everything but it's funny because everything still is very blocky and you know yep um what i like about it is that it's uh very 16-bit kind of aesthetically but color wise it's got like a huge range so it looks it looks much more like an old like lucas arts point and click yeah which is very very muted which is smart because i think when a lot of people try to emulate the old style of games they go well the nes only had 256 colors on screen and the game boy only had one um (laughs) let's let's stick to that but i think it's like it's cool to take some liberties here and there as long as i think like the pixel art is is kind of on point i'm very weird in particular what what was that one game boy color it was like unhealthy piss 
It was yak. It was, just, it was like fish. old sepia, like yeah. just faded. Yeah. It was yeah. like didn't drink enough water. Spinach puke. Yeah. yeah. Well, Sega used to like, it was like, they were doing like Tupac's hit them up every other week trying to be like, we got four colors on the game gear. What do you got? Puke? Yeah. They were, I, man, yeah. I love the 90s. It was a good time. <laughs> String things, playing Cuban PS2. Cuban PS2. In the 90s? Ah, in the 90s. Cuban PS2. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Marty, Persona. Yes. Yeah, so we talked, uh, obviously, Andrew talked at length about Persona with Zach a couple weeks ago. The rest of us pretty much remained silent because we let those two smart boys talk. Uh, Man. Yeah, so it goes without saying, the game is incredible, but I, so I finally dug my teeth into it on Sunday. I restarted it. Uh, I was like, oh, I'll play a couple hours. And I played 13 hours straight, oh which God. is the most I've played of a game straight since the night The Last of Us, or we got Last of Us code, and I played through all of The Last of Us in one sitting, which so, I've talked about. So what do you mean you restarted it? I was like two hours in, but it was from like a month ago or something and so i'm like ah, let's just and then i got sidetracked by a bunch of stuff and so i'm like let's just restart and so everything's fresh um and yeah so totally the thing is if you guys haven't started this yet is there is uh sort of an entry fee and it is a couple hours of your life that are very handholdy and especially coming off Zelda mm-hmm. which Zelda is the immediate just like in media res go have fun you did it yep. like even on the great plateau even when you leave the great plateau like it just immediately gives you freedom uh, the first couple hours of Persona 5 don't do that but once it does it the second I had freedom which is like a day in the, the game you know goes through a calendar year and it's a I think it was a day in April like almost today probably to the date it was probably like mid-april honestly yeah yeah that sounds about right yeah Yeah. and uh they're suddenly like all right so your goal uh this is the palace this is uh you have whatever 20 days to do this go have fun yeah and then i started wandering around tokyo and every night i was doing something different after school and during school i was doing something different i was like oh do i want to wait do i want to raise one of my personal stats do i want to hang out with ryuji do i want everything comes at the cost of something else yes do i want to get a job to get money or do i want to go inside the palace and start grinding and slowly chipping away at this and it's one of those things where you have whatever think of it as three moves in a day and you have 10 things you want to do and i want to do all of them because all of them feed into each other to make it a better experience and and neglecting one of them is going to hurt the other Mm -hmm. and that was how three hours became 13 hours and i literally didn't leave my house on sunday and I, I, i just peed myself i didn't pee myself didn't piss <laughs> I was really expecting. I think, I think you peed yourself. I did not pee myself. You put a little. Now, pee I mean, I didn't. Now I definitely <laughs> you put pee. a little bit of pee on yourself. Yeah. Um, but it's one of those things. Like I, within that thirteen hours, I just fell in love with all the characters. I fell in love with Morgana. Who You're I supposed to fall in love with all the characters. You're actually supposed to fall in love with one character. It's kind of weird. so. You know what I learned yesterday? For the first thirteen hours, I thought Morgana was a girl. What? I still think Morgana's a girl. She's named Morgana and voiced by a woman. So Morgana's not a girl. It's a cat. What? Keep playing. All right. Uh, Uh, I mean, like, that's why, like, people, it sounds insane to have put whatever 200 plus hours into that game, but it does. Like, it, it, time goes away very quickly when you play that game because you think of it as you finish a palace. Describe time, it goes away. (laughs) No, I mean, it's like, I used to talk about uh, Pac Man Championship Edition DX when it came out. And, like, the joke was that that game was like time traveling because it was like, you would start it and be like, oh, I'm going to play a little bit before dinner, and you'd blink and it's 2 a.m. I could not believe I put 13 hours in that. Exactly. And it doesn't feel like it. And so it does. It, it, like, as stupid as it sounds, it does make time feel like it goes faster because, like, you're like, 
it's only been like two days in game. So you're like, oh, it's like I've probably been playing for an hour. And then you realize that you did so much in that time or like you spent time with people or like you watch cutscenes or like in, if you go to Mementos or uh, Palace, like you might play for 10 hours and it's only one in-game night, yeah. you know? So like time really does like you you pour more into it than you realize. And I want everything. I want to capture. I want to negotiate and get every persona so that it helps me with my confidence. And I'm like sitting on the bus coming to work and I'm thinking about like, oh, what do I need to do to raise my kindness so that Anna will talk to me? And I was yeah. I was in a cab to go see a game I could talk about next week, which is super cool. That I was all I was thinking about was like, what am I going to do tonight after work? Like I'm going to get home, and this is what I want to do with this day. And then I have to go to the second palace now, yep. and I want to slowly chip away at it before raising a stat because I want I want I want I want to start just banging characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. really getting it. I, and that's where like this one is so much more well realized in terms of the like. Sorry, I've talked about persona, the banging. Yeah. I've talked about persona so much. So I'll shut up. But they don't have sex. They have they have implied sex. No, but they literally have a, like a fertility crisis over there because not enough Japanese teenagers are banging. <laughs> Wait, Anna's Ameri- banging. isn't Anna American? Is like she's part. Um, I, I think like, there's like a weird it. There's a weird balance to it that I don't don't think was in the previous games because everything you're talking about feeds into one another in a way that is so much better than it was in three or yeah. four. And I think like the way confidence influence gameplay lets you feel like you're not like it lets you feel like you're pouring your time into something that's complimentary, which is really cool rather than feeling like you've like 85 distinct things that you're doing. Also, this is the only time I'm ever going to say this. Like I'm legitimately I'm torn between going on an actual day tonight and literally playing the game. Like as of right now, I've not responded to the person because I kind of want to go home and play Persona. You can oh do my that. God. I'm sorry that you've literally become me. Yeah. <laughs> Persona. <laughs> I'm really excited. Oh my god, I got the Catherine skins now. This is gonna be great. Yeah, that's terrifying. That's a awful, yeah, a weird sentence. awful sentence. I've got Catherine skin. <laughs> oh, all right. Well. <laughs> Yeah, anyway, of uh, you. <laughs> we have a segment we do here sometimes. It's called What VR Playing, and it is the game's VR playing in virtual reality. I think you, you missed our best one ever last week, Max. Yeah, yeah about, you probably, you, I think oh, yeah. you did miss a lot. We talked about the Safari VR game where the elephant oh, over the same yeah. time. I wish you were here. Yeah. <laughs> Brian, like, literally went into, like, a weird oh, coma, man. talked about it for 10 minutes, and his last sentence was, it's not great. <laughs> I'm like, why did we spend that much time talking about it? All right, all right. So, uh, is yeah. Better, is this next game better than not great? So, no animals poop and pee at the same time in this game. There's a different um, bodily fluid, though, and it's called Starblood. Gross. Ah, yeah, that's right. Uh, Starblood Arena came out last week, um, and you, did you know that? You probably didn't know that because Sony told nobody. They put this game out. It's one of the flagship VR games. It's of a this boxed quarter. retail release. It's a as boxed well. retail release. Like this is a legit thirty nine ninety nine video game. Um, it's really robust when it comes to single player and multiplayer. It's got great art direction. Super like comfortable, awesome VR game. PSVR exclusive, and no one knows about it. Because Sony just put it out I love there. that three bullet points are came out last week. Next bullet point. Did you know that? Next bullet point. Of course you didn't. Sony didn't tell anyone. <laughs> so I don't really understand what their plan is with PSVR all in all. And I don't want to like, you know, get into this too much. But to go from being like, we have this new VR hat to being like, you can't buy it anywhere to being like, it works really well with Resident Evil 7 to other people being like, cool, I agree. What else can I play with it? To them being like, Farpoint next month? Like, where is this communication happening? Like, yeah. where is this breaking down? I don't understand. Um, so that being said, this game is really cool. It feels um, it's a first person arena based shooter. It's kind of descent inspired. It's got some sort of overwatchy character theme type of thing to it where you pick different ships that all control differently and are all piloted by different pilots um, that you can level up and upgrade. Uh, it's one of the more comfortable VR games I played considering 
the insane things that you're doing in it, that you're rolling upside down and flipping around these arenas. Uh, it's also very like aesthetically really fun to look at. Um, I look at something like Eve Valkyrie, which sort of feels like cold and dead in many ways. That's what yeah. space is. It's yeah. cold and dead. Unlike um, Star Blood Arena. Which which imagines that space should be fun and cool and full of like weird Star Wars aliens that, yeah. that yell at you from a couch. So uh, I think it's doing a lot of cool stuff. The problem with this game is that it's multiplayer centric. And when no one knows about a game that's multiplayer centric, no one is on the servers playing it. And then it's not a multiplayer centric game anymore. <laughs> So my biggest problem with this game has been trying to connect to a match because Sony didn't tell anyone it exists. So that's a bad catch-22. That said, there's some cool single-player stuff. Um, I really dig it. Uh, I'm not sure if there's a demo or not, but you should watch some trailers for it and see if it's something you're interested in. If you're looking for a kind of meteor VR game to play right now, like... That's the one. Yeah. Like, there's a bunch of stuff that came out on PSVR recently that's sort of short or um, feels sort of like VR tourism, like that weird Safari Animal P thing that I talked about last week. Oh, the Brian but, Fellow Simulator. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, look into this. Um, I played it at PSX and I really dug it, and I was really surprised to see it just sort of out there one day. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's out now. Go check it out if you're interested in something cool and new for your PSVR. I think the future of PSVR and how much Sony is going to put muscle behind it is going to be really telling at E3. Yeah. How much of their conference slash how much of their booth is going to be VR or how much is going to be them being like, look at all these third parties we've aligned with and here's yeah. Spider-Man and God of War. Uh, I agree. Like, we saw that quote a couple of weeks ago from Sony saying that they wanted to sort of invest more in putting VR in public spaces such as like arcades and stuff. Rooms? Museums. Yeah. Um, yeah, any, anything, anything you want that's a public space. Uh, so I, I don't know if they're pivoting towards that direction. But even then, like, you need to tell people about your games. Yep. So, uh, like, just being like, we have a cool hat is not enough. Like, people are like, what does it do? You really need to start making some of these free for PlayStation Plus. I agree. Mm-hmm. I totally yeah, it should agree. just be a, it should be a vertical in, yeah. Yeah. in PS Plus. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, get rid, I mean, get rid of one of the PS3 games or both. Are there still PS3 games? Yeah. yeah get rid of still are. There still are Vita games. I need that. Like, I need that. Yep. Uh, do you think we'd, we'd ever see a like a announcement for a PSVR bundle that maybe comes with something like this? I really hope so. I mean, we saw the launch bundle came with Worlds, which I think was a great way of sort of showing off what that thing can do. Yeah. Um, but it's really all about the experiences. And if you don't have those there, there's no purpose, right? I mean, I'm hoping that they have, like, I would love if at E3 they took a lot of, like, stuff like Dreams or Knack 2 or a lot of, like, Hot Shots and, and all this stuff that's coming, if you step back and you were like what can we do in vr and made like a lot of these first party things that are a little smaller that maybe aren't quite as exciting to people and bundled them together with a psvr i think that's how you could drum up interest in those things throw the battlefront x-wing mission on there throw like a level from bound on there i don't i don't think we're gonna get a psvr 2 this fall i do think if they want to move units what they do is if they're not going to drop price they bundle it with a hundred dollars worth of cool games you One said bound, yeah, uh, yeah. Batman, something like this, something that runs the gamut of here is a little bit of everything you can do with it. Yeah. One thing I saw recently, which is not necessarily indicative of the success or failures of PSVR, but there was a game called Tethered, which I talked yeah. about on this show. It's sort of a god mode world build, building simulator where you control these little aliens on this platform by using your head and like physically looking at where you want them to go. Um, the developers just created a new version of the game called Untethered, which is non-VR. 
So they basically huh? created a non-VR version of their yeah. own game where VR, to me, felt like the entire hook. And now it's just not. So you have that option. So I'm wondering if we're going to start to see something like that. Like Starblood Arena is awesome in VR, but without it, it's really cool really competent arena based shooting game so maybe if something doesn't live the first time in vr they'll just put out a non-vr version of it anyways yeah. it's a tearaway tearaway is a game i don't think anything could be more literally built around a system the way tearaway was for vita and they managed to put on ps4 right. and they so, adapted it to, yeah yeah so totally. i i hope that like in lieu of psvr hopefully succeeding but if it does happen to fail i do hope that these games get like sort of a second life yeah that'd be cool Maybe no. Second Life will no come out No one wants Second Life. No. I think a lot of people will. There's all kinds of weird we'll stuff right in there. Anyway, uh, now it's time for Rapid Fire. Rapid Fire is, of course, when we take your questions from the Podcast Beyond Facebook group, which is facebook.com slash group slash podcast beyond. Groups.com. Or groups.net <laughs> no, slash. No. What is groups.com? It's probably like an orgy website. Yeah, I don't know. It's over there. <laughs> orgy glad to meet me. Anyway, <laughs> like our, 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 our people have been clicking on the site like crazy. I don't yeah. know what's going on. These real, real good links. Anyway, um, Will Pratt asks, with Nintendo not making NES classics anymore, wouldn't this be an opportunity? opportunistic time for sony to create a ps1 ps1 <laughs> ps1 peripheral that consumers could buy and reinvigorate nostalgia yes yeah i think yeah? that's a great idea but i don't know no. if anyone has as what? much nostalgia for the ps1 as they do for sony's most also no console. i mean yes human like, ps2 look, unfortunately like i i think no i think nintendo i love nintendo and i love those nes games and classic was cool but it was cool because nintendo has a lack of a connected ecosystem like truthfully like yep. sony doesn't need it they don't need a standalone thing because i have 10 devices i can play Sony games on, yeah, but if they they sold a little thing like this that was shaped like the PS One, like the, the novelty of it. But I, I think honestly, like putting thirty games out on something that doesn't connect to the internet for Sony would be a step backwards. Whereas for Nintendo, it was one stop shopping for virtual console games, basically because you can't buy some of those right now. But for Sony, like on my Vita right now, I can get the thirty best PS One games. I would yeah, rather yeah. see them bundle well, them for ten dollars and well, let me buy. Be, it let's that be way. honest here. The least interesting thing about the NES Mini was the fact that it played video games like aesthetically yeah. the form factor of that thing is what everybody was hunting down I agree with that. if you wanted those games spoilers you can find them anywhere like you just type in mario 3 rom and but i mean is. at that point like it would be just as cool if sony made a little cute ten dollar ps1 toy that came with a twenty dollar PSN gift card or something. Yeah, like, I agree I mean, with that. I, I just I don't think I don't think they need to limit themselves the way NES Classic also, limited. Okay, so yeah, going back, playing my own devil's advocate, I sort of agree with you where the NES Classic had a market that was people who were nostalgic for the NES, but who maybe ha- don't play games anymore, right, yeah. or don't own a Nintendo console anymore. Yeah. Whereas I feel like a lot of people who are that nostalgic for the PS One are probably still on board. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, most people maybe, who exactly are, most people I know who played Final Fantasy Seven and Metal Gear Solid and you know and Crash Bandicoot are still playing because it's a. I, I think yeah. that's exactly it because it's yeah. like a generation later. Like I think where NES Classic should have been wasn't GameSpot or GameStop and Amazon and stuff like that. It should have been at like Walgreens. Yeah, it yeah, should have been like exactly. Yeah, and I, I think like saying this from since launch, but it should be on yeah. end caps of and, casual and PS One isn't stores. that. Like yeah. I don't think I think the audience like my dad wanted an NES Classic. He was looking for one to buy at retail price and yeah. couldn't because he remembers Mario and he wants games like was that. Was he a big Blasto fan? He was a huge Blasto fan. I don't think with PS1 you have that audience. I don't, I don't think know, it could man. work in the same I mean, way. Well, maybe maybe not in the I same. think the, the people who are that audience have a PS4. Yeah. Possibly, I think it's re- I think it's really discounting the amount of lapsed gamers there are in the world. I mean, we're so embedded into that ecosystem every single day that it's hard for us to see the forest from the trees. But I think there's a lot of people that are just used to play video games, yeah. don't play them anymore. Yeah. If they walked into a store and they saw like a tiny PS1 with 20 games on it for 60 bucks, 
maybe they jump on that. I mean, it's it's hard to say, right? Not in the same way. I don't think it would be no. flying off shelves in the same way. I just don't think that audience exists. In this well, it's tough so, to sell. You can't actually tell because Nintendo never made this thing possible. Like, yeah. you can't. There's no. There's no way to say like what can we compare this to? Because Nintendo made this impossible. Yeah. Like there was. There's. There's. We can't actually track the success of this thing because every one they made sold out, but they sold out in weird ways. Like within yeah. seconds on online. Like no one actually bought one on a store shelf. Yeah. Totally. Like they were gone in seconds. Yep. Although we're also worth pointing out that just from a technical standpoint, I think that stuff that like getting you know getting eight uh, bit games to run on like a little piece of hardware is considerably less like tweaking in QA than to get like three D games running. Yeah. Something that ran off of optical media versus a cartridge. Uh, yeah, that's it's a, a different animal. That would be very tricky to do. I'm, I'm sure that people can do that with a. Uh, uh, Raspberry Pi and stuff, but it's true that is it's yeah. run, it's running a bunch of different engines. Yeah. You're, which just on the basis of it uses more power, you're going to have to pay more for it, and then you know, yeah, no, totally. It's also trickier when it comes to third party stuff. And sure. I know Nintendo got some third party stuff on the NES yeah. Classic, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. I'm, I mean, I'm it, down like for it. I would buy one 100. I just I would be so curious to see what something like like it would kind of test the strength of that brand and ecosystem against Nintendo's. And I just I feel like. Especially when you're talking the NES specifically, yeah. like that just means something that PS One doesn't. That's a thing, and that's a pillar of pop culture. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. No, uh, Jacob Vauder. We know there are a few Star Wars games in the works, but what would you like to see in a Star Wars game that isn't already announced? I am personally eagerly awaiting a single player RPG in the same mold as Kotor. No offense, to The Old Republic. I think it's a great game. I just prefer single player games. Right. I would love, I would love a single player Star Wars RPG and also a Criterion Pod Racing game. I think Criterion yeah. Pod Racing is kind of what's up. I yeah. Just, yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, uh, it'd be cool as hell if, if it's just, it doesn't have to be like a wide open world kind of thing. Just just give me like a beautiful, fast. Give me like an F Zero knockoff with the most music. amazing yeah. destruction. Like that. I, mean, I really liked where Thirteen Thirteen was heading. Yeah, like, that's what I was about to say. Sort like, of like grimy underworld type. And we've we've seen games where you can play as the bad guys, and we've seen games where you play as you know Star Killer and Django Fett. But I do want that sort of like grimy, seedy job of the hut underworld. Yeah, I mean, that's, I totally agree. I think we're going to get genre wise, we're going to get that in uh, Visceral's game. And, and I would love to see it be a little bit like, here's my thing with Star Wars. It is such a gigantic universe. Like, and I, it's a galaxy, but I mean, I'm using the word universe in terms of like the pantheon of Star Wars. And that's why, like, when everyone talks about like Ray's parents and Force Awakens, like, I don't want to be Luke. I don't want to be Obi Wan. I don't want to be anyone we've heard of. Like, I want to explore stories. Like, Rogue One was cool. But just tell me something completely new. You know, we're getting this Han Solo prequel. We're getting all of these things to fill in that part we know about. And it sounds like Battlefront 2 will be more complimentary to that. I totally agree. What I was excited with with 1313, even before the Boba Fett stuff came to light, was like, just give me a brand new, completely right. standalone Star Wars story. Like, that's what I want out of a game. Yeah. Um, I'd love to see something uh, maybe set in the sort of Rebels Clone Wars era. Yeah. But without that aesthetic. Yeah. Um, cool. Maybe Maybe Bioware. I mean... Dude, throw Bioware a Star Wars game and have them make it in Frostbite. You know, I feel like they've come a long way from from KOTOR. That'd be awesome, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know. Uh, Harry Lloyd. How do I say? I always Harry Lazidus. Lazidus. Uh, what is your favorite weapon in Star Wars? Uh, I really like the string thing. I think that's a really good one. Yeah, that's a good one. I, I love thermal detonators. They're super yeah, cool. They're cool. It's just like, I love the way they click in with each other. It looks like the kind of thing that'd be weird. Like like when you see those old like war veteran guys that have like old like grenades on their shelf. Like the I sound effect like, of it too. Oh, the sound effect's awesome. Yeah, yeah. like Chewie's yeah. bowcaster was really cool yeah. in uh, Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. That cool time stuff. Han was like, "Can I fire that thing <laughs> I've been hanging out with for seventy years? Can I try your gun for the first time." <laughs> that was dumb. Uh, I love Boba Fett's gun. I hate it in Battlefront. 
It's just like it shoots like three shots. And you're like, oh, oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I Aesthetically, like, I think Hans Blaster is like super iconic. It's I really like cool. that too. Oh, I, I like Ray's um, NN14. The like, it's like the little, yeah. the little Hans yeah. Blaster. I, it was actually really interesting seeing. Uh, I forget his name, but dude in Rogue One, Force sensitive man. Jared oh, golly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I really like, <laughs> no, not him. Uh, I, I really like the idea of like melee weapons that aren't lightsabers in the Star yeah. Wars universe because I I honestly feel Sticks. like oh, yeah. Spikes, yeah. I mean, yeah. like in in Force Awakens in Rogue One, it was kind of the first time I thought about the fact that like. You have to respond to blasters without lightsabers sometimes. And like that stormtrooper thing I thought was really oh, the cool. The traitor thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, totally worth mentioning here. I actually went and uh, shot a video that isn't up yet. But um, we went to a shooting range that had some uh, vintage weapons. They had a Sterling, uh, British Sterling machine gun. And they had an MG-34, um, which both are guns that got turned into Star Wars blasters. Right. Uh, the uh, Sterling got turned into the E-11 stormtrooper blaster. And the MG-34 is what, uh, you know, you see Chewie and... and um, Han and Luke running around the Death Star with those big heavy things. Uh, we didn't get to shoot the MG34 because it was because it was broken because it's like seventy years old or whatever. Uh, but I got to fire off a Sterling while dressed like Han Solo, which was kind of cool. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, it was it was incredibly weird to be like here's a like here's a gun that I had like toys of growing up. Like the MG34 is the thing that like Forlom and Dengar carry. It's like kind of the weird sort of throwaway extra weapon. Yeah. And I always was like, oh, they probably like I don't know, they just carry it. It probably doesn't weigh a whole lot. That thing is like solid old steel and yeah. it weighs 35 pounds not loaded. You need robot and, arms, man. Yeah. Our grandpas yeah. were much stronger than we were. Oh, yeah, <laughs> in many, many ways. Yeah. Emotionally. It also, <laughs> it also just makes like when you, now when I watch, I want to watch like the, the I want to watch Star Wars again and just see how people are carrying it and being like, Oh, that makes more sense now. I just thought that like Mark Hamill was just like a weird, goofy dude around <laughs> like that. Also, like a uh, really quick aside, a half an hour ago when I said we wouldn't talk about Star Wars Three, three I apologize. Whoops. Yep. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, Paul D. Burt. <laughs> you, you shut up over there. Paul D. Burt. Damn it. We're so far over. Let's, Paul D. Blurt, Malflirt. In any gaming regimes, as professionals, you probably do things differently. Drinking a snack, a particular seat. Get home, sit in my chair, put on my Cuban PS2, and pop open a big old pouch of strength things. <laughs> All right, well that answers that question. Joshua Nedich says, "Will we see a PS4 PSVR pod racing game?" You guys can stop drooling now. <laughs> I was sorry again. <laughs> uh, Star Wars Criterion to do it. Yeah, 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 that would be amazing. That'd be cool. I'd love to see uh, kind of the approach that. Was this what they were sort of screwing with with Connect, where they were like, "It's a bunch of experiences in Star Wars." I love that. And then a don't you a dare mention Star yeah. Wars Connect. What, VR oh, dancing the part where you're like, "Oh, you get to be a Rancor." Do you know oh, that yeah. that was the last single player Star Wars game before? I do. <laughs> I do. Yeah, yeah. That's so uh, insane. Dark times. I mean, people talk about the Dark Ages um, in the mid '90s before Star Wars came back with the special editions and the prequels and all that. But there was a Dark Ages between Revenge of the Sith and Force Awakens, where we got yeah. stuff like Star Wars Connect, like the yep. second Dark Ages of Star Wars. Yep. Those were rough times, and I'm very happy to be out of I them. I think Wars movie. the the X-Men experience we got from Criterion for uh, uh, for Battlefront like felt like being an X-Wing pilot yeah. in a way that sounds really stupid. But like when you sit down and do it, like you're looking around the cockpit, and it awesome. feels so good. Like If they could do that with other vehicles, that What if they just amazing. do that, that so, animal game you played last week, but it's with Star Wars animals? That like would be D-backs. awesome. See, what if a do-back see, poops and peeps? I would love that. I think that VR and Star Wars are like a perfect combination. Yep. Uh, we already have the you know the, the X-Wing thing from Battlefront, but uh, there's the ILM X-Labs, which is where they're making like weird VR experiences. I got to do one of them at Celebration. They had this weird booth, and this is like a, a convention exclusive thing where basically you just played with BB-8, and it was kind of like – it was a lot like the um, the HTC Vive like uh, lab experience where there's that like little – 
dog ball thing running around mm-hmm. and you're just in, interacting with it and being like you can like you know pet bb8 and you're just in this room it's it's like maybe four minutes long and there's not really a lot to it but uh i feel like packaging a bunch of those things together and being like hey it's uh it's like psvr worlds but it's star wars yeah that would immediately get people's attention especially when you're talking about a time when they're thinking about doing all the different eras and all like there's more for them to mine than just you know three movies now like mm-hmm. there's so much that they could do and pod racing is a great example and so many other weird things that like have been locked to one movie and especially if it's in the prequels like no one wants to talk about it but like there's i think there's more there yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, that's our show for you today. Uh, you can find us all on Twitter. I'm Max Scoville. Brian is Agent Bizzle. Andrew is Garfep. And Marty, you're McBiggity with two G's and two T's. I am. And uh, if you like our show, you should check out some of the other shows we do here. Uh, Brian, you're on NVC, which is all about Nintendo. Yep. Things like that. And you also do Game Scoop here and there. Yep. And uh, Link Together. Yeah, Link and Together. Up at noon with you. I, I do, uh, we do Up at Noon. That's right. Yep. And, uh, and Goldfarb, what else do you do? I'm um, occasionally on GameScoop. Uh, I was recently on our friends, kind of funny's Gamecast, Gamescast cool. with an S in the middle. I did that. I believe uh, I'm doing that. Soon and you're also too. You're killing yourself running news on a regular basis. So. Yeah, there's that. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you, What do you do here? What exactly would you say you do? And uh, Marty, you're on Unlocked, which is all about Xbox and things like that. Yes, you do that with Alana and yep. uh, and McCaffrey and all that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I do up and in with with Brian. Uh, but yeah, uh, check out the celebration coverage you put up. I did a bunch of weird videos about uh, you know dobacks yeah. and Chadra fans and whatnot. Tons of really cool stuff. Um, yeah, and that's it. So uh, beyond, 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 hooray! It's over. <laughs> Wander with us into a world of magic. Do you lack magic? Ever since I was born, I could hear the spirits of the other world. Where old stories take on a new life. If you break even one of these conditions, the consequence is death. And the world is teeming with possibilities. It's midnight, girls! They're here! Get ready to change! Well, for the last time, we're not kissing, Fritz! Join Jenny and Madeline in this fantastical audio drama as they journey into the stories you grew up with as you've never heard them before. You are no more than a demon! Okay, Gown. Let's do this. And reinvent fairy tales with a feminist twist. Ready for your next adventure? Then we'll see you soon in the forest of feminist fairy tales.